The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to day seven of our NALCS team by team preview podcast series. We have finally gotten a database all the way locked in in North America. We actually know things about where these rosters are going, and this is a roster that I thought for sure was going to make at least one change. And I, I guess they technically made a change, they haven't seem to want to commit to that change yet, but I think I need to break it down with my good friend and co-host, Walter Sadie Svedchuk here, and get his thoughts on it. So, Walter, how do you feel about the team we're talking about today? I love me some Rick Fox, man. I love me, I love me some late, you know, early 2000s Rick Fox. I love it. I love it. Um, his team, not so much. His team is much like his Boston Celtics career, kind of mediocre. Um, but all he's waiting for is Kobe. He just needs his Kobe and his Shaq. And then, uh, and then Echo Fox will go on and win, you know, back-to-back-to-back titles. And, uh, oh, and, and Phil Jackson. He needs all three of those pieces to come together. So, like, who's the equivalent of Phil Jackson? It's Weldon. He needs Weldon Green. Oh, no. He needs Weldon Green. He needs Weldon it, Green, and he needs Shaq and Kobe, and then, uh, then we might actually have a, a competitive League of Legends team. So... Man, the comparison between modern Phil Jackson, i.e. threes are a cheap way to score points, and Weldon, the early game doesn't matter, Green, it's just not fair. It's just, I wasn't ready for this. That's but a perfect analogy! What are you it's kidding? Too good. That's it's a too good. Analogy. It's just, ah, oh, Phil Jackson. But you know what? I would say if they do have a Kobe, uh, it's going to be Froggen in the mid lane. That's the guy that they've been building around. That's the guy, when they do the team house, has the far nicer room than everyone else in the team. <laughs> Uh, there's also, of course, in the top lane, we have Looper. Jungle, we have Acadian. Uh, in the bot lane, it's still technically Keith and Gate for right now, with Mashmi supposedly coming in as the sub. Uh, right now, the speculation is that he will be playing on Delta Fox, their challenger team, because they do need an AD carry in that regard. Um, and before we get into the AD carry... Sorry, there was like a wind that just kind of blew through here that said, send Keith to the challenger team, please. It, okay, so, I mean, let's let's talk about why we have to feel that way. Last split, Keith is really the one thing, it is as simple as he held them back and the rest of the team could not execute their plan as a result? Or, or do you think there were more deeper problems than oh, just oh, oh. Keith Rock? There, there's... 
definitely deeper problems. Like, that that's not, like, you're not going to replace Keith and everything's going to be hunky-dory and this team is going to go, you know, 18-0 or whatever and they're going to beat SKT at Worlds. Like, that, that that's not what changing Keith does. Changing Keith just makes it five on five. Because Keith, other than, like, two series maybe, was dead weight and it was four on five. And it's really hard to win games consistently when it's four on five. I've played intramural basketball where one of our guys is, like, fouled out and we've had to play four on five for a couple of minutes like it happens it's not fun it sucks mm -hmm. um but to be fair there are deeper issues here um most of that i think falls on kind of looper being the only korean speaker and he's not always on the same page akkadian being a rookie jungler that you know he has this great early game when it's all about okay i'm gonna make a decision i'm gonna make a play i'm gonna do x y and z and then when you get kind of into where there has to be some team cohesion he's kind of not always on the same page um, but that's, like, I expect that from Acadian. I expect that from Looper, from, you know, the miscommunication angle and just being a rookie. Like, I, I totally understand that aspect. But the easiest fix, the easiest immediate thing they can do is get themselves an AD carry who doesn't just weigh this team down. And statistically, like, he, it, statistically, Keith is not a good AD carry. If you look at him, he's, like, in the bottom two of every single major statistical category across the board and is, like, just visually when you watch him he's just not fun to watch you just can tell he's looks lost he's really needs his support to kind of babysit him so he doesn't just get absolutely destroyed in lane it just this team from its inception has felt like it's one step away from making it into the playoffs or it's one step away from being relegated and usually that one step away from being relegated is frog is just the best player on the rift because Froggen is a fantastic player, and even though he's been on such mediocre teams last uh, six seasons, six let's basically ever since kind of Alliance lost to Kaboom and it became like Elements, um, we all forget like the the thing is like oh Froggen can't do it without someone else. Well, like LeBron couldn't do it without someone else. LeBron needed Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and this is where we're at now with Froggen is like he needs another superstar. He needs someone else to help kind of carry the load for him. And Mashmi's not that guy either, but Mashmi is kind of like upgrading from, he's kind of upgrading from like Fat Baron Davis to Mo Williams. Like Fat Baron Davis just doesn't care. He just didn't care. He got his money. He has his, his one playoff series where he took the eight seed Warriors to beat the number one seed Dallas Mavericks. And that was the first time an eight seed ever beat a one seed. Like great, good job. He has his one shining moment. Uh, you know, Keith has had his one shining moment where he, like, came in to replace Piglet, and it was like, oh my god, Keith is, like, this great, like, late toucan guy, and now he's Fat Baron Davis, and he just needs to go play in, go play in China, not actually go play in China, but just needs to go stream, and let, like, another kind of, like, mid-tier point guard 80 carry step into the place, and try and help Frog and LeBron out in this analogy, so, um, changing Keith is not gonna make them the NA champion off the bat, but it's a good step in the right direction towards actually being relevant other than we're the consistent seven seed year in and year out. Yeah, I think that's fair. And it's one of those things where I understand why someone like Rick Fox would want to stay invested in Keith. Clearly, there's a personal attachment there. Rick Fox loves his players. You could see that whenever he's interviewed and whenever he talks about the team. He wouldn't have invested all the resources. You know, you think about Echo Fox 1. You know, this is a guy who believes in the brand and believes in the roster. But at some point, you have to look at Keith and say, uh, he's been playing since 2015. And with the exception of a couple moments, he just hasn't been very good. And I, I mean, you hit it on the head. You look at his, his earned gold per minute numbers. 
uh, in, in particular stood out to me. He's at a whole 237.5. That was worse than the league. And that's just not really okay. You know, it's not, an, it's not that you're not allowed to play a composition that doesn't focus around your AD carry, but it's not like they were playing around Looper. It's not like there was some top laner that was carrying and therefore needed all those resources themselves. They just didn't have that secondary carry threat. So the one player we'd have to look towards as a secondary carry, if they're going to be a playoff team, that would be Acadian. So let's talk about Acadian. How does he fit into this role? Can he be that guy in his sophomore season? Or do we have to worry about that sophomore slump that we have seen more than uh, than a few times in the LCS? I think the sophomore slump is going to happen. And I don't necessarily think it's Acadian's fault. I think it's... I haven't. We haven't seen him on tanks before. And we know with Patch... 7.9 or, or whatever it is, the midseason patch that Sedwani got super buffed, Zach got changed. You had all of these sort of tanky kind of junglers, these like vanguards or whatever Riot wants to call their subclasses now. And it feels like we're getting this shift back away from your 80 carries, your your utility kind of guy. You have your support that's also utility, crowd control, yada yada yada. Your top laner is your primary engaged threat slash a um, slash like team fight disruptor, and your main damage is coming from your utility kind of mid lane mages and assassins and assassin junglers. Uh, Akadi was very very good at assassin junglers. Rengar, Lee Sin, Kha'Zix, great. He's great at all those kind of champions. What happens when it switches to Elise and Gragas and Sejuani and Zach, like? I think the meta, and, and we talk about, you can't just completely rely on the meta. You can't completely blame the meta for everything. We've said this with Echo Fox and Team, or with FlyQuest and, and Team Liquid. I get that. But when you're a jungler that comes out and you play the style in your opening split as well as Acadian did, and I think Acadian got robbed of the rookie of the split purely because Contracts was on a team that had more wins. I thought Acadian right. was the better player throughout the course of the split. But... Mm-hmm. When you're so dominant on one style of jungle and we don't really see you play anything else because you don't have to, and then the meta starts to do this slow shift, my worry is that he's going to hang on and we're going to be like in week three or four where everybody else is completely shifted away from the assassins and he's still going to be trying to play Kha'Zix and all of a sudden he's getting into these team fights where he's playing against, you know, a 300 armor Sejuani and he's playing Kha'Zix and he doesn't have enough armor pen to do anything and he's just going to instantly pop in team fights. And then it's going to be like week six and seven where we finally see him concede to playing the tanks. And by then it's going to be all over for Echo Fox. And they're going to be fighting to stay out of relegation. So that's my my super big worry with him. If we don't see that shift and it still stays Assassins, I think Acadian's going to be fa- fine. I don't think the that he's going to hit a sophomore slump in that regard because he sort of had that little downswing towards the end of the split. And then towards the end, it kind of picked it back up. But Echo Fox, their problems just feel like they haven't played enough together. They feel like... The, the, the arc that Echo Fox and FlyQuest could take felt like the same arc other than FlyQuest got by because they had superior team fighting. They had superior team chemistry because they'd been playing together so long. I think if the Echo Fox guys had played an entire split together in like the Challenger series and then came in and already knew what each other were doing and already you know kind of understood how each other wanted to play and didn't have keys, had all tech, 
they probably would have been in that same spot as FlyQuest. You know, 6-7 seed, fighting to get into the playoffs, uh, that sort of thing. Had a better opening. But I just... I don't know if they can get there. That's the issue. I don't know if they're willing to... If, if, if Keith has one bad week one, do they just pull the trigger and say, we've given this kid a year and now an extra week... And he's just, he's not there. He's the 10th, you know, he's the 10th best AD carry in North America. Mash me, if you put him in there, is probably better than him. He might still be the 10th best AD carry, but you're going from the 10th best AD carry at like, you know, 20% talent to 10th best AD carry at like 40% talent, like, or whatever that changes. Like, Mash me is a better AD carry. So I'm just curious of how long it's going to take them to pull the trigger on that move and if it's going to be too late for them to, again, avoid relegation or even make the playoffs because. I want to see them make the playoffs. I want to see Rick Fox in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I think something that we have to keep in mind when it comes down to how long is it going to be before MASH comes up to the main roster, if that move is ultimately made, right? We're talking about it like it's a guaranteed thing. For all we know, Rick Fox really wants Keith to be the full-time guy, and he believes that the same thing you just said. They haven't played enough together. We got to keep these five together. Don't lose faith in the plan now and i will say three of these five guys have played together before so it's not as easy for me to say like oh yeah they just haven't had time to build synergy well i mean we we've seen at the very least froggen and keith play well together uh, i i think that gate is a guy that was supposed to be able to come in and be a, a shot caller for them and it hasn't happened and looper it seems like he just doesn't have the skill set needed to be the player that we've seen him be when he's on a roster with Mata. He just kind of looks lost at a lot of times around the map. So if that's the case, doesn't it make sense to kind of keep MASH on Delta Fox? Because you're probably not going to win the LCS split this season, no matter what happens. And then if Delta Fox does well enough, when franchising happens in 2018, you get to sell that Delta Fox spot so, for some Mad Skrilla. No, like, is, like no, is that a fair plan? No, you not? no, that's an absolutely awful play because you have Dandy and GBM on United and you just went from Phoenix to fly on, on Goldcoin United. Like, those two teams, when you look at the, the CS teams, those two teams are fantastic on paper when you look at them. Like... You need to keep your spot. You already have a you have a guaranteed spot, so to speak. We know Riot loves their NBA players. We already know that there's been some drama behind the scenes with Rick Fox, you know, being protected by Riot and not signing the franchising letter and, and kind of being like a good guy owner to Riot. Like, Rick Fox as a name is something that Riot wants. So... I, I really I should have a lot of the same criticisms for Rick Fox or for Rick Fox that I do from Steve from Liquid. Aaron said, "You're holding on to your AD carry way too long." Fine, you're you're not building a team towards immediate success. You're building a team just so you could barely hang on and survive into this you know franchise potential franchising model and not get relegated. The difference is that Rick Fox and Echo Fox have not come out. And so brazenly been like, we're absolute underdogs. Like, we're absolutely going to win the NALCS. Like, they say that. They're like, yeah, we want to be competitive and stuff. But if you look at Echo Fox, they probably have the best branding and the best, like, 
outreach to fans and you have that awesome YouTube video of their Beverly Hills Mansion house. Like that's where they're focusing their time and energy on. They're like, we could try and go all in and win a championship or I could build a sustainable brand that's going to get a bunch of eyeballs that I can use my name that I can use Froggen's name to get people to follow us on social media that then I can pull brands into um, like Asus Rog and then do sponsorship stuff for them. Like it is enough for some of these mid-tier teams just to survive as long as they're doing all this, you know, media and, and social uh, building with its fans and creating this large fan base that they can then leverage into making money. Like Rick has shown, he is totally okay with making a bunch of investments, seeing what sticks to the board. And if it works, it works. FGC, like Echo Fox has the market on FGC, on fighting games. Like they totally have that. They don't necessarily need to be the number one team in North America. They can just survive and, like I said, build up this brand and do all these social, you know, sponsor obligations and do all these kind of fun cutesy videos. Like he's taking the season two TSM model just without the winning, and that's what he's pushing. So I'm okay with that because he's not blatantly saying we want to go to Worlds, we want, you know, we're the, we want to be the absolute best team in North America. Like they're fine, just kind of kicking back and being like. Yeah, we'll be the, you know, the lovable kind of goofy guys that, you know, everyone's like, oh, Echo Fox, you know, we're glad when you win. We're not so upset when you lose. Like, we're okay rooting for you. So I'm, I'm, I'm more okay with it with Echo Fox than I am with Liquid. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, I, I have this thought I keep coming back to when I look at how many teams in North America didn't make many moves, if, if any moves. A lot of them really chose to stand pat, even teams that we thought probably needed a move or two. But... If you look at the free agent market, there might not have been that much available. Once yeah. you had the Xmithy Dardock trade straight up, I mean, there just <laughs> weren't a lot of available challenger players that you wouldn't have to buy out for a rather expensive contract. And if yeah. you're going to do that, you better be able to get your value on it right away. And this team looks like they're more than just one player away. I, I think they're at least right now two players away. And I think that their shot calling is something that desperately needs to be questioned as well because there were a lot of decisions where you could just tell Echo Fox did not know where on the map they needed to be to get the next objective yeah. to to actually cement you know and build on their lead if they weren't able to just snowball a game after 25 minutes so I I think at the end of the day this team is who we think they are uh, there is that upside if Acadian does make the leap and can learn how to play the second style of champion, even though we saw his Rek'Sai, which isn't quite like the champions in the middle, but is tanky enough compared to the other ones he's played, and it went really poorly. Where do you think this team lands, Walter? Ultimately, where does all of this leave Echo Fox? Broad spectrum, because I always start with these, anywhere from 7 to 10. I could see it. Um, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say eight. I think Froggen is good enough that he can keep them out of relegation. Um, I think about how they match up against Envious, and I feel like Envious is gonna be starting period in the majority of the matches. Lyra is fantastic, but I still think Echo Fox can take one series off of them. I, I like. I think the bottom three of Envious, Echo Fox, and Team Liquid are gonna take games off of each other. And it's just, you know, whatever the tiebreakers are, who, you know, who gets an extra map against TSM, who gets a surprising victory against a CLG or an Immortals or whoever else that we have up in that kind of range. Um, so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Echo Fox is eighth because they just somehow are always hanging on by that extra thread. And 
there's something to be said for it. And I see them making that change to mash me. I'm going to put the over-under sometime in that week three or four mark. I think they're going to go like 0-4, 0-5-6 to start the season. They're going to look at this and just go, Keith is not the right guy. Like, let's just let's just try and survive. We'll put mash me in here and, and we'll go from there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say eighth, and I'm going to say mash me is starting in week four. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair. I mean, we, like I said, there there haven't been very many changes, so it's hard for me to say that there's going to be a big leap in either direction for Echo Fox from what we saw from them last split. And you gotta say that they have that X factor. Well, Frogan's the X factor. Frogan's really good at League of Legends. 3.9 KDA, 72.5% kill participation on a team that really wasn't very good. That's kind of absurd. Guy's a really strong player and he's going to keep them relevant. He's going to keep them able to at least compete in these team fights. Yeah. I just, it doesn't seem like there's enough follow-up from the rest of that roster unless Acadian becomes a superstar overnight, and I think he's at least one more split away if we're, we're going to see listen, that for sure. Listen, Rick, when, when CLG cuts Darshan in the offseason, pick him up, get rid of Looper, go get yourself a European jungler. I'm telling you right now, that, that's, that's your plan for, next, for, for the offseason, is survive. Go pick up, a, you know, probably not Xerxy because he'll probably be there, but a Memento, a Maxlore, Pride Stalker, Llama Bear, like one of those kind of guys, bring them over, let Froggen teach them, and, and go Darshan in the top lane because we know CLG is going to cut him in the offseason unless they win Worlds or something. So, you know, there you go. GM Walter is in the house. It's a very interesting play. I think it will be very fun to watch that free agency, but right now... It's very fun to watch these team-by-team -team previews, I would hope to think. It's been fun recording them, if nothing else. Uh, we have done seven of these. Uh, in North America, we've already talked about Cloud9, CLG, Immortals, TSM, Team Liquid, and FlyQuest. And, FlyQuest. Yeah. and in Europe, we have recorded seven episodes as well. You should definitely check all those out. It's in the playlist if you're on our YouTube channel or on our SoundCloud channel, for that matter. Uh, and you should subscribe to those places to make sure you don't miss any of the lovely content we have planned going forward. And Walter, if anyone wanted to reach out and talk to you about anything you said today, where could they find you? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. And yes, Team Liquid fans, I like Rick Fox. That's why I don't criticize him. And I dislike Steve. That is why I criticize him. I am that shallow. Don't at me. <laughs> Well, there you go. I am at Redshirt King. You can at me all you want. And come back tomorrow where we're going to take a look at another team that made a move that leaves me interested as to how that came to be. But until then, goodbye, Internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at Rough Pod, 
Facebook.com backslash Rough Drafts Pod, SoundCloud.com backslash Esports Rough Drafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.